This Corbin Talk features Corbin Professor of English, Dr. Jim Hills, recorded live at Corbin University in 2020. Thanks for having me here. Um, I see a lot of your friends thought better of the deal. And uh, maybe they're studying for some upcoming exams. Not a bad idea either. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about two events separated by uh, about 9,000 miles and two millennia, but they are related. I'm going to start with the nearer one. Almost five years ago now, it was the 50th anniversary of the former Bonnie Jones and her husband. That would be me. Our kids, well, they're all <laughs> not kids anymore. <clears throat> uh, they surprised us with a dinner downtown at, at Bentley's without our knowledge of what was coming up. I found out that evening I had raised a group of skillful, though benevolent liars. We'd, <clears throat> we'd been completely misled about the nature of the evening. David, our youngest, told his mom he wanted to take us to dinner, and she kind of wondered what had been going on. She said, we're coming up on our 50th, and our kids haven't said a word. Well, you know how men are. I thought, nah, they, they're busy. They probably forgot. It's okay. I'll take you out. But uh, Dave called and said, I want to take you and Dad to dinner. Well, ben, Bentley's is a nice place, and uh, with luck, I could still watch the playoff game at the restaurant. I thought I was in luck because there were plenty of empty tables with a sight line to the television. And it was with increasing dismay and irritation that I followed along like a sheep as the waitress and my son, who should have known better, I thought, passed one of those tables after another. I kept kind of pointing, hey, there's, didn't work. Up here, the waitress finally said, and she turned left up a short flight of stairs, and there they all were. Our children and their children, my brothers and their wives and grown kids. No TV. I don't know who won, but I'd already forgotten about the game. It was a great night, my brothers telling sometimes insulting stories, as brothers do. Nephews and nieces saying nice things to kind of balance it out, and my kids, too, overlooking a lot to make affectionate speeches about their mom, which they didn't have to overlook, but their father, a lot of allowances. But number 50 got better. I'd poked around on the internet, counted my money, and found a resort in San Diego that I could afford for five days. So we flew down, and if you've ever flown into San Diego, you know it's an adventure. Because the approach flies right, I started to say over downtown, it actually flies through downtown. Uh, as you're getting lower and lower, you look out your window and you're looking into office windows right there. There are people at their computers, and that's way closer to an office building that I want to be, you know, at 200 miles an hour and uh, 80 feet in the air. But we made it, obviously, rented a car, drove across the bridge over Mission Bay to Lowe's, and found out that we were celebrities. Not an office I'd ever aspired to, seems like a nuisance, but there it was. Um, I showed the smiling young woman at the desk my reservation, my credit card. She smiled. Welcome to Lowe's, she said. Happy anniversary. I didn't remember saying anything about that. But it turned out that uh, my roommate had. She'd made a call and 
turned on the charm, and this woman can charm rattlesnakes. <laughs> and I think it's time that you met her. Come on up here, baby, and tell them what I didn't know. So, five years ago, this very month, <clears throat> as he said, he had made the reservations, and I put on my thinking cap, and I thought, you know, it would be really nice if they would consent to upgrade our room, because after all, it was our 50th. So I thought about it a couple days, because I tend to be a little spontaneous, and I, so I called. I called. And the woman was very kind, and, and I, I gave her this wonderful speech about how my husband had researched on the internet and tried to find the perfect place, and we came up with your resort. See, so you kind of throw that in there. And, she, <clears throat> and, and that it would be wonderful if she could speak to whomever and perhaps upgrade our room, because it was our 50th anniversary. So we talked for just a few minutes, and she said, well, that sounds quite doable. I will see what I can do. So we hung up, and um, so they did. They upgraded our room. He, he, we checked in, and the woman said, well, happy anniversary. And I just stood there quietly. And he could, how did you know that? And he looked over at me, <laughs> and I was smiling. And then, so he knew I had done that, and it was worth every moment of my time because we had a wonderful room and they just treated us like almost like royalty so that's what I did <laughs> oh and as an aside this May is our 55th anniversary so look out Well, if you want something done, get an adorable, cute grandma to do it for you. All kinds of things can happen. <laughs> We've given you an upgrade, the woman said. And boy, had they ever. It was a wonderful room looking across the bay to the high-rise hotels of the San Diego waterfront. I could never have afforded it. But she'd made arrangements. So the bellhop took up our luggage before we could unlock it, uh, unpack it. There was a knock at the door. I opened it, and a pair of hotel staff held out a bottle of champagne and a tray of chocolate-covered strawberries. Happy anniversary, they said. Well, she drank the champagne in about 10 minutes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, we're not drinkers, but uh, we brought it back and gave it to somebody who liked it. But the berries, we made short work of those. It was delicious. Well, pretty soon, we realized that more people than you might have expected found out that a couple we're celebrating 50 years of marriage right here at Lowe's, and they wanted to talk about it. And the conversation always began like this. How did you do it? How did you do it? Uh, one afternoon, we were lounging around the adult pool. They had a pool for the kids and then for families, and we hung out at the old folks' pool. It was quieter. And uh, it was about lunchtime, and we were too lazy to go get dressed for lunch. So I went over to the little snack shack at the pool, and uh, the girl behind the counter said, Oh, you're, um, is your wife with you? I said, Yeah, she's right over there. She said, uh, 
we've been trying to think of what to do for you. I'd never met these people. So word had got out. Apparently, this was a rarer occasion than one might wish. Lunch is on us, she said. It was okay with me, too. (laughs) And one of the young men that worked there uh, said, how did you do it? He said, I I want that. How did you do it? I said, well, we stood up in front of our friends and family, and we made pretty serious promises that were good. We, We made a contract, right? They're called vows. And we said that we were going to stay with this until death do us part, and she's over there and hasn't happened yet, so the deal's still on. He said, my generation has a problem with commitment. I said, no, we're talking about commitment, right? That's, that's the word. There isn't any other way. About the third night there, I told Bonnie, uh, there's a really nice restaurant upstairs, and I can afford it once. So we went up, and the maitre d' knew, oh, you're, and they gave us a nice seat by the window, looking out across the bay, and it was a really good meal. The waiter knew, and uh, by the time dinner was over, I'd eaten my steak and a few bites of whatever she had. Uh, We were pretty full, but the waiter said, "Uh, what would you like for dessert? I said, I don't know, you know, we're kind of full. He said, it's on us. Well, that changes the deal, right? (laughs) I'm not that full. So uh, I said, what do you have? And he said something and then something and then creme brulee. And I said, okay, that's it. That's the magic word. Uh, Bring us one creme brulee, two spoons. And when it came, it was a big bowl of it. And it had a burning candle in the middle. And at the bottom, the pastry chef had written in chocolate in his beautiful script, happy anniversary. The woman sitting right over here said, what's going on? What's that all about? I said, oh, it's our 50th anniversary. The creme brulee's here. I've got my spoon. I just want to eat my creme brulee. I'm tired of the celebrity thing right now. She said, wow, I want that. How did you do it? So I tossed off what I thought was kind of a smart aleck remark because I want to eat my creme brulee. So I said, uh, Oh, keep showing up for breakfast. And she said, okay, I'm going to take that home with me. I thought, no, I'm just being a smart aleck. But I realized later, you know, maybe there's something to that. Keep showing up for breakfast. There's a lot that's kind of packed in there about not staying angry, about being where you're supposed to be, about civil discourse, about day-to-day affection, and all the stuff that goes with being married for 50 years. Keep showing up for breakfast maybe is a pretty good metaphor, not only for how you get to your golden wedding anniversary, but for a lot of other things, including, I think, our Christian walk. And somehow I got to thinking about the Apostle Paul, who walked a lot. Somebody at Stanford figured out about 8,000 miles on, just on his missionary journeys, on, on three of them. 8,000 miles. So by a lot, that's what I mean, 8,000 miles. How many steps in a mile? Probably more for him than for Bo Rogenbaugh. Uh, the average height, I think, probably uh, in that part of the world at that time was about 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five for men. 
I've always felt that I was um, a power forward. I was just born at the wrong time. <laughs> I'd have been a terror on the floor back then. So let's say that Paul probably needed about 2,500 steps per mile. That'd be about a 20-inch stride. So if I got my zeros right, we're looking at about 20 million steps, give or take two, three, four million, just for those missionary journeys. That's a lot of tired feet. That's a lot of sweat in the Mediterranean heat. One step, and then another step, and then another step, and another step. 20 million of him, of those, by him. That's a lot of tired feet. That's a lot of sweat in the Mediterranean heat. One step, and another step, and another step, and another step. We're not talking high glamour and adventure here, although some of those steps were in some adventurous territories. We don't have any record of it, but he reminded the church in one of his letters Sometimes he was in danger of bandits. He was in danger of a lot of things. One step, and another step, and another step, until tens of thousands of steps, hundreds of thousands of steps, millions of steps, brought him eventually on his first missionary journey across Cyprus. Other steps, tens of thousands of them, to Derby and Lystra, all over Galatia, well, as Casey Stengel famously said, you can look it up. Read the book of Acts. And they won't be talking about, Luke didn't record most of those steps. Why? Because he did it all the time. He didn't have to pray about whether or not he should take those steps. That's how you got from here to there. There wasn't any other way. There was no Uber. There was no helicopter. You walked, and you didn't have Dr. Scholes on your feet either. You just had sandals. We know all about the big stuff recorded in Acts, right? The earthquake at Philippi and the church that resulted from that. The persuasive speeches in synagogues, talking to the faculty at the University of Athens. And stories that are the stuff of movies, big deals, narrow escapes from assassins, shipwrecks. A snake bite that should have killed him in a matter of minutes but didn't. Miraculous healings when he put his hands on people, churches where there had never been a church. None of it would have happened without one step and another step and another step. 20 million of them, give or take a few million. One at a time, one step and another step and another step in the hot Mediterranean sun, sometimes into a headwind, blowing dust into his eyes, steps that didn't make headlines, steps that didn't make history books, steps that got only the briefest mention by Luke. Probably not fun every day, not exciting. What we did a little while ago here is altogether what we should do. Music, singing, it's encouraging. Kind of fun, makes us feel better. And it's important, we're commanded to do it. But what's gonna happen the rest of the day might not be quite that refreshing, might not be that much, I don't know, fun is not quite the right word, but I don't know what else to say. 
not immediately rewarding. Uh, what we're doing here, or what we did, I don't know about now, <clears throat> but what we did was uh, certainly more invigorating maybe than an hour and a half plowing through your history notes. We got midterms coming up. I'm giving a couple of them. Those steps, not exciting, didn't make the news, but necessary. Part of the everyday duty, the ordinary, steady, disciplined routine of a soldier fighting the good fight. Well, he's fighting the good fight in Philippi, that's for sure. And at Ephesus, that's for sure. He was also fighting the good fight when he was between towns, plodding along because that's how you got from one place to another. There are a lot of days in 50 years of marriage. Some of them are fun and exciting. Bonnie and I have slept in a boathouse apartment on the banks of the River Thames. For an English major, that's holy ground. You sit up in bed and there it is. Sweet Thames run softly till I've sung my song. We have eaten at an outdoor cafe at the edge of the Isle of Capri. Boy, that was a great day. We've cruised the coast of Cinque Terre. That maybe was an even better day. I have a picture of her standing on Juliet's balcony. That was fun. We've watched the lights of the bridge come on over Mission Bay. Pretty romantic stuff. But we've also walked the floor at two in the morning with colicky babies. I remember one time everybody in the house was sick. The baby was sick, mama was sick, papa was sick. We were all in bed and uh, when the baby would cry again, I can assure you we kept caref careful track of who was up last. Now it's your turn. Not much fun, necessary, part of the deal. We said for better, for worse for richer, for poorer. When I said all my worldly goods, I the endow, I don't know how she kept a straight face. We've washed a lot of dishes. We've talked a lot. We've looked for a lot of missing socks. Uh, I noticed uh, two more, Bob, when you get home. Um, I don't know where they are. Where do they hide? Nobody knows. We've had... Uh, Earlier in our marriage, had to figure out how to pay for trips to the ER, how to replace dead water heaters. Those things are expensive. Well, that's marriage, too. It's not all San Diego. It's hardly ever the Isle of Capri. You probably visit the Capulet Mansion once. But there are a lot of trips to the ER. We're talking now about commitment. When the young man told me my generation has a problem with commitment, the conversation's pretty much over because there it is. There's no getting around it. Commitment, discipline, persistence, a certain kind of courage, things that you do when the wedding bells have stopped ringing. This is called showing up for breakfast. For you, some of the million steps we have to take when the praise and worship time is over, when the ball game's over, when it's time to get to work, it's just time to study. That won't make the headlines. 
When it's time to help your roommate clean the place that you both made a mess. When it's time to report to work. When it's time to write that essay for the demanding old grouch talking to you. And write it the way that you know you should. Time to read those history chapters so tomorrow's class session will be worth something. Time to understand that good soldiers are often uncomfortable, sometimes afraid, often stressed. As often as I've heard it, I'm still a little taken aback when one of my students says, I'm having problems, I'm feeling some stress. Well, I know, we plan it that way. I'm stressed too. Right now I've got a pile of essays about that thick, spent a good chunk of my weekend. It's not a complaint, I'm just saying, well, what'd you expect? Right? Goes with the territory. Married couples, too, are often uncomfortable, sometimes afraid, often stressed. But here's the thing. Tomorrow, while I'm tying my shoes in the bedroom, I'll catch a whiff of toast and hear the clink of the juice bottle against the glass. And here we are, Jim and Bonnie, after almost 55 years, after a million steps in the right direction, sitting down to breakfast. Well, I'm done. That's all I've got to tell you. Keep showing up for breakfast. Let's have prayer. I know we're a little early. That doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. And we'll get out of here. Would you stand, please, for just a minute? <clears throat> Father, thank you for the directions that you give us, for the plan for our lives that you pretty much leave us to execute with courage and persistence, one step and another and another, until we get it done and stand before you. So bless these students now. Direct our steps today in Christ's name. Amen.